Do you ever feel like technology is just a bunch of digital noise? It's important to know what it's really about. This is Telecom Talk with host Pat Pittman. Pat brings over a half century of experience in the telecom industry and has seen firsthand many changes, regulations, and new technology. Now, she answers your questions. Here's your host, Pat Pittman. Well, good afternoon. This is Pat Pittman, and we have another session of Telcom Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to Melissa Schwartz. Melissa is a recognized expert in a lot of different areas as it pertains to telecommunications. And one thing I'm really interested in is that she's an independent consultant. Say hello, Melissa. Hello, Pat. How Good are to you? talk to you today. Nice talking to you. The It was intriguing me, the independent consulting, consultant. I mean, I know what it is, but um, why don't you explain that to our listeners and also um, why it's so important when you're doing any telecom changes or work or any, of any sort. Okay, great. Um, so the main reason that I am an independent consultant is because uh, I started out my career on the vendor side. Oh. And I saw a lot of uh, questionable tactics, I guess is the best way to say it. <laughs> wow, okay. So um, so I, I sold phone systems way, way back, like in the early 80s. And I always tried to take, when, on my accounts, I always tried to look at what they needed and sell them whatever we carried that best met their needs. Mm-hmm. But um, behind the scenes, we, we carried like three or four different manufacturers' products, and behind the scenes... People were, uh, different manufacturers were running promotions. So my commission would be different on different products based on what promotions were in place. So, you know, product A might have been the best fit for that particular customer, but product B might have paid me more commission. Ah. And so, uh, so I, people talk about salespeople being coin operated, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> So uh, when I began consulting, I didn't want to have any part of that at all. And so I've always been a vendor-independent or vendor-agnostic consultant, meaning that uh, no matter what technology I end up recommending for my client, I get no compensation from a vendor in any way to Ah. influence the recommendation. Recommendation strictly based on what's good for the client. That's that's a strong point for people to remember. Um, I'm not so sure everybody understands that most salespeople from various vendors and carriers uh, all get paid, and they're all paid depending upon what products they sell that month. If there's a push on a particular product, right. yeah, right. they'll get they'll get more commission. And let's face it, um, we're all looking to do the best we can in today's environment. And it's only human nature to gravitate towards uh, those products that are going to make you the most money. So having someone who doesn't look at that is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Because I have seen people have, uh, salespeople essentially, who have consultant in their job title somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, And I've, can't tell you how many times I've heard them say, well, you know, we'll look at your needs and then we'll recommend the best product, but they're still recommending from a finite selection of products. So it's whatever products their company happens to carry. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to look at the entire marketplace. They're going to look at the three or four products that they carry and figure out, you know, which one might be the best out of that. And then, like you say, behind the scenes, you don't know what sort of incentives are playing into that recommendation or anything. So you can't be sure that you are really getting the best solution for your organization. You're right on that. Absolutely. So people need to understand what independent consultants can bring to the table. Well, now... it really is important. Yes, it is. Um, When the lockdown started... There was a lot of changes about the way people worked. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of changes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, that was quite a disruptor. Um, yeah, it really was. People were just spinning, I'm afraid, you know, just trying to get a handle around it. What role did communications technology play in that situation? No, I think it was huge. Uh, in fact, without the technology that really is commonplace today. I don't think that people could have worked remotely. They would have just had to be sent home and not work at all. And that would have changed the picture considerably. Isn't that but, interesting in the fact that we all of a sudden, I mean, we got to the point where there you could work from home quite easily. And then we had the pandemic. I'm glad it didn't happen sooner. It would have been really rough if it had happened 10 or 15 years ago. Oh, Absolutely. But the tools were in place, and a lot of people weren't using them, maybe because they didn't necessarily have to. And so I think a lot of people ended up learning how to use these tools on the fly. I heard a lot of stories about people in the industry who got calls from friends or family members, and they're like, I got sent home. I'm working from home today, and I don't know how to hook up any of this stuff. Like, how do I get up and working? <laughs> what do I do next? <laughs> you know? Yeah, what do I do next? I mean, yeah, exactly. A lot of people never had worked from home before. Right. And so you've got a lot of stuff that has to be hooked up and working together to make that effective. Mm -hmm. And and then you learn things like, you know, if your kids are gaming, (laughs) that might not be the best thing for your video call. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, those are the things that people didn't quite understand in the beginning. Yes. Very true. What's the difference between a quick response cloud collaboration offer and a full-scale enterprise solution? Well, that's a great question, Pat. So um, a lot of companies, when when everybody all of a sudden had to comply with lockdown requirements, a lot of the companies in the industry started offering free free licenses and free tools or, you know, a 90-day free window where, where you could use their um, their particular software tools or in cloud solutions for free mm-hmm. or maybe even at a really low cost. And, and Zoom is, is kind of the poster child of, you know, the changes that happen. And a lot of these these offers were kind of a like a video conferencing tool or video and audio screen sharing type tool. And so you could get on those and you could, Talk to you know your coworkers or your clients or whoever you needed to talk to, and conduct meetings. But you might not. But it was sort of like having a car, well, a, a house and a detached garage. So if the house is like your main technology, and then the detached garage is a kind of a one of those cloud collaboration offices. Mm-hmm. Office. It sits beside your house, and you can go in between them, but they're really not connected. So as part of those kind of free offers, you didn't get information like the status of people um, within the organization. If you needed to add somebody into a call, you couldn't see if they were busy or in a meeting. Ah. It was, you were blind. So it was a standalone offer. It wasn't really an integrated solution. Okay. So uh, a full-scale enterprise solution is, is much more integrated. I can imagine, but wouldn't that be longer to implement? Well, yeah, it can be. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, and I think that's the downside, and that's the reason that people rush to the quick response tools, because it was like, hey, we got to get something in place and get a Band-Aid over this while we figure out what we want to do long-term. Because really, long-term, you've got so many different parts. There's so many pieces to, to communication technology. I mean, you have voice, and you've got mm-hmm. video, and you've got chat, and you've got presence information, you know, like, am I in a meeting or, you know, am I available? Um, There's mobility uh, capabilities, apps on your cell phone, how do you work from home? Um, You know, some of these these products offer tools like, yeah, call transcription. (laughs) Call transcription? Yeah, right, (laughs) try to transcribe that. But, I mean, there's some advanced tools and there's reporting and analytics. And so if you want to weave all of those capabilities together, 
there's a lot to look at in making a technology decision. Boy, you're not kidding. Um, yeah, I, there really are. But I think a lot of times early on, people did that quick response because they didn't expect it to last. No kidding. I don't think any of us expected it to last this long. Exactly. So, you know, a quick response, that would have been fine. You know, that just gets me home and working. And then, you know, in two weeks, I'll be back in the office. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people thought when it first began. Oh, I believe so. And the problem with with having a a tool as opposed to a platform is, is that you have disjointed reporting and, and mismatched data because you've got separate domains, basically. So mm. if you were in a situation, here's, here's an example of okay. a situation that, where that would be just a nightmare. So let's say that um, there was a legal action and you had to go and get all of the information that your company had on a particular topic, all of the conversations that had taken place on you know, on this particular topic. Well, I mean, there could have been chats. There could have been conference calls. There might be voicemail messages that have information about it. There could be emails. There, you know, there could be sitting in all these different, essentially, tools. And to try to go through and search through each one of those individually and get all of that information out of there would be absolutely a nightmare. I, I just, ugh. <laughs> I don't even want to think of how much time yeah. it would take to pull that together. Boy, you're not so, kidding. I hadn't thought about that. That's quite a, that'd be quite a task if something like that were to occur. It would be awful. It really would. <laughs> and then you have the problem with the users is, you know, what tool do I use when? You know, when do I use this tool versus that tool? And when do, you know, how do I, I mean, it just, when users get confused, then they don't use the tools at all. And then they don't achieve any sort of productivity increases of any kind um it's just too hard that's interesting that's an interesting point that i bet a lot of the users who were thrown out of the office and into their homes had no idea how to use some of these tools yet they've been there well right and and you know the it departments were the help desks were overwhelmed (laughs) and and then they didn't have a, a uniform environment because who knows what's going on when somebody calls you and says, you know, I can't get Internet. It's like, I mean, what are the million of reasons you couldn't get it that may have nothing to do with the corporate tools or corporate environment? So you become like, you know, personal troubleshooting in order just to get people up and running. Yeah. Using your um, house and garage example, it would be like not being able to get from the house to the garage, even though the right. garage was working right. fine. Right, exactly. And how many people were really set up at home um, with, the, with the Internet bandwidth and with, I mean, like the ideal home setup would be a massive Internet bandwidth, mm-hmm. um, a, a room that is quiet where you could shut the door and actually, you know, shut yourself off and have a place to think and a place to talk and all of that. And, you know, not have kids and pets and stuff running around the background. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, how many people just had that environment just waiting to be used? I mean, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I certainly hope employers were a little um, flexible in that situation. Oh, I think people were. And, I mean, I heard all kinds of stories where people were, you know, would have meetings and, you know, they're making the best of a bad situation. They're like, okay, we're going to meet everybody's pets. You know? <laughs> Might as well <laughs> meet them now. Here, here. Yeah, here's Rover. Here they are. You know, <laughs> we're going to meet your pet, kids. We're going to meet your pets. We're going to know all all about you. <laughs> you know? um, what do people do now that they have um, possibly a rapid response solution and might be looking at it to take it, you know, continually? And what additional things should they look at? What do they no longer need? How do you evaluate that? Well, I, I think that you have to, first of all, you have to figure out where you are. So, um, you know, the first thing is just basically just document your current environment. You had this huge upheaval, this huge change. So what did you learn? What, you know, when you had the transition and you had to get people out of the office and you had to comply with all these lockdown requirements, what did you learn about your processes and your technology 
and and your problem areas. You know, what were the common issues? What kind of questions came up over and over and over again? Document all of that because um, how many people really had a uh, all of a sudden tomorrow you're going to be working from home process? Nobody, you know, <laughs> nobody <laughs> had that. <laughs> and um, a lot of people were creating processes on the fly. You know, how do you how do you get people the equipment that they may or may not need at home? How do you uh, get them up and working? So there were processes and, and uh, that were created. And um, now that they're working remotely, how do you track your assets? I mean, how do you even know who's got a headset or a company laptop? And if they quit, how do you get it back? Wow. All yeah. kinds of questions. So a lot of figuring qu- out where you are and what you've learned and getting things documented. That would be. You know, there's kind of. Yeah. That's sort of the hard part of getting everything documented. And that's probably where a consultant really comes in. We're getting up on the break time, so why don't we listen for our sponsors, and we'll be back shortly with Melissa talking about um, the quick response to the COVID COVID pandemic. Okay, thanks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Every day in business, we hear jargon, see writing from so-called experts, and don't know what we should follow and what we should avoid. Now, there's a program to sort everything out. The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman is the program that provides actual best practices, insights, and real-world solutions that help business executives, technology executives, managers, and staff using straightforward talk. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to ppittman at stonegate-consulting.com. That's P-P-I-T-T-M-O-N at stonegate-consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Welcome back. This is Pat Pittman with Telcom Talk, and today we're talking to Melissa Schwartz, um, and we've been going through the uh, way to look at your systems now that it looks like this is going to be a permanent way to work, and how to evaluate your quick response that you put in to what you're going to have long term. So Melissa was just about to tell us how you can actually evaluate those systems. That's right, Pat. So we were talking about just documenting where you right. are and figuring out, you know, kind of get everything that you've learned during all this whole panic uh, down so that you have those processes and and, uh, and all of the questions and mm-hmm. stuff identified. And then the next step is to look at, at 
where the holes are, essentially. I identify things like training gaps. Uh, what training do, do people need to cope with this new situation? We're talking about people being sent home, and all of a sudden it's like, now you're working from home. Good luck. <laughs> so, you know, are there are there training things that people need to have? Um, you know, just how to use a video tool or, you know, here's the setup. Or if, if your video doesn't work, here's some things to look at first before you call the help desk. I mean, things like that. Um, there may be training gaps for your staff, too. Um if you've got, if you're the IT staff supporting some of this, and you've never had to necessarily support some of these applications, there may be training that your staff needs, and there may be feature gaps, things that uh, these tools that you've gotten that you just were like, whoa, I got to get something in. We'll pick B. Okay, go with that one. Now all of a sudden, you may find that there's things that it doesn't do, and there may be reporting or analytics that you need and you don't have, or it could be that your users need a just a capability that is not well supported with the with the solution that you have. So look for those feature gaps. Wow, I bet. And then, yeah, that is important. Yeah, you know, I, I think that none of us knew really what was going to be important. Mm-hmm. But now that we've used the tool, you know, we're starting to learn, okay, I like that and I don't like that. You know, what, what works and what's not working in your environment. And I, then... Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Well, are, are the process and policy gaps, you know, things that you've never even had to even think about. For example, um, if you really were not uh, supporting a lot of remote workers before this happened, maybe, you know, there's people who worked from home once a week for their own convenience or whatever, and now all of a sudden they're mandated to be at home, there may be a policy for reimbursing them for their Internet, especially if they had to upgrade it in order to support all the tools that they need to work. That's very true, because that stuff, after a while, can get pretty expensive. Well, absolutely, and you've got, I mean, there's all kinds of costs in terms of maybe they had to get furniture or an extra door or a barrier of some sort to, you know, try to get some sort of private space, or there's no telling what people are having to invest in. There was a while where you couldn't get a webcam, or and headsets were hard to come by. That's and true. We'll try to make that transition. So, how you know, are, is this something they have to pay for themselves, or does the company pay for that? So, again, there's probably not a policy on that. So, there are a lot of process and policy gaps that were uh, that created by a complete change on the dime. What are what are the costs for a cloud solution if they're going to stick with it? Uh, it that varies a lot. Um, if you're looking at a platform solution, then obviously that costs more than just a single tool cloud solution. And the, the costs are pretty much billed monthly per user or, or per seat or per license. Um, so it really depends on exactly what capability you're getting for it. If you wanted to get a cloud phone solution that included a conferencing component like audio video conferencing and a remote cloud phone. Um, the price range on that could be anywhere from, say, $10 to $25 per user per month, kind of the, the range. And there are different types of licenses, so um, a low-end license wouldn't have as many capabilities, but doesn't cost as much. And then higher-end uh, licenses that have more capability, obviously the the companies charge more for those. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. You know, the more you want, the more you get, the more you pay for. Right, exactly. Yeah. Fancier stuff costs more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question. What happens if you have 20 employees, but they work around the clock? You know, we've got five in the morning shift and 10 in the afternoon and five and in the evening shift, do you have to buy a full 20 licenses or can you get by with the maximum number of people who are going to be using it at one time? So if they are contact center users, um, there are a lot of contact center uh, providers charge basically for a concurrent number of seats. So as long as you don't have more than 20 people working at once, you could have, let's say, three shifts, you could have 60 users. 
mm-hmm. but only 20 could be live and working at one point in time. But for the other tools, like just the basic kind of phone user and conferencing collaboration type uh, mm-hmm. tools, those are almost, I can't think of a single one that's not user-based. So you're still paying for each user. Ah, so if you have 60 people, even though they don't all work at the same time, you still have to buy 60 licenses for that particular feature. Correct. And, but the difference is that the contact center licenses are typically, you know, they begin at $100 a month, whereas the others are more like, you know, like I said, 10 to 25 So, what's the, Why the difference? Contact center is just a lot more complex. Uh, and a lot of times contact center includes additional capabilities like call recording, uh, and then the more capabilities you layer on, that $100 goes up to 200 or more. But um, there can be workforce management tools that let you know when to schedule people based on your calling volumes, and uh, there's analytics that can be involved. There's speech analytics that can listen to a call and, and let supervisors know uh, what words were used or if there was a problem. You know, like if somebody said, cancel my subscription, the speech analytics could highlight that call you could go back and listen to it and figure out what was going on so that's probably way beyond what a regular user would have yeah that's pretty useful i would think to in a call center to have something i guess it's something listening in um and recognizing certain words so they could take some action yeah absolutely i mean think about it if you have let's say you're running a contact center let's use your example you've got maybe 60 different people you know, working 20 at a time in three shifts, and but you're 24-7, that is, a, and I don't know, let's say every call is five minutes long. I don't even know how the math comes out, but, you know, that's a lot of phone calls. And as a supervisor, there's no way you can listen to all of them and find out what's going on. But if you have a speech analytics tool that, that highlights the ones that were, that were problem calls, then you could listen to those, and you really get the information that you need without having to listen to the other 95 percent of your call that would have been very very helpful when i was a supervisor i had no kidding. i had 10 people who were csrs and customer service reps and there was no way i could listen in on 10 people and do my job oh, no way at all there's just no way and so having you know the the stuff brought to you is huge i mean it's just absolutely huge and identifying trends you know, like all of a sudden your call volume goes up, like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why did it go up? Of course, marketing never tells you when they're running an ad. You're just supposed to be ready, Pat. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. I, at one point I was running a help desk, and um, the installation group would put up a whole new location. And, oh, no. And never tell us. And then, you know, wow. on Monday morning, we get a call from Timbuktu, and they're like, well, why, do you don't, why don't you know what I'm, you put in this weekend? And it was like, wow, I wow. don't know what you have. And it was scramble time. Absolutely. And I, don't, I can't think of a single contact center that I've worked with that didn't have that what's going on question, you know, where, where you know something's changed, and you're going around asking the CSRs, you're like, what's going on? Why, what's, you know, What's happening? Yeah. Are there any hidden costs that people need to be aware of? Oh, absolutely. Um, So one of the biggest, uh, well, in addition to just the cost of the licenses, you're going to have some sort of cost for connectivity uh, because you've got to either have your people connect to the clouds directly through their own internet connection or they've got to connect back to the mothership and uh, so there's some form of connection between that person working either at home or in the office actually and uh, the rest of the world so there's connectivity costs in terms of internet uh, local and long distance calling uh, you may depending on your environment you may have VPN costs and, and your VPN usage may have gone sky high so maybe now you need a bigger VPN connection or faster internet. Talk, so, um, a, talk a little bit about a VPN. So a, a VPN is a virtual private network. And if you, have, um, if you don't have a cloud solution and you're working remotely, then you have to have a way 
to connect back into basically the corporate network. Mm-hmm. And so a, a VPN is a secure way of doing that to where your data isn't just floating out there on the Internet for everybody to see. Ah, okay. So that's pretty good. Probably pretty handy for most people. Right. But it's like your Internet connection. I mean, you have a certain amount of uh, a certain size pipe. So, you know, if your VPN was set up to where you were supporting, I don't know, people who were traveling, mm-hmm. and you might have had, I don't know, let's say uh, 15 people traveling at a time. And now all of a sudden you've got 150 people working from home. That pipe isn't going to be big enough. <laughs> so you may have had to, to increase the size of that data connection so that you could support the traffic that's now all remote instead of being on site. Yeah. So, I don't. I think that a lot of people don't understand there's two sides to that Internet connection, one being the actual user at home, but also the pipe going into the mothership. Right, the other end, right. You know, you, you just can't support uh, 100 new users with the equipment that you used to have. Well, and it... Um you know, it's really interesting. All of the companies that are that offered a lot of these free licenses had uh, their usage. Uh, it, it didn't go up like ten percent. It went up, you know, four hundred, five hundred, eight hundred percent in a matter in, of like thirty days. It it just skyrocketed. So, wow. Uh, yeah, it was it, it was not just a little bump. It was <laughs> opened the floodgates. It was crazy. And and I have to say, I'm kind of impressed with the industry because for the most part they stepped up and were able to manage those huge increases in usage pretty gracefully i mean there were not a lot of outages or people who couldn't get through i mean there were times where you know calls had some quality issues and things like that but you know considering what those um what the vendors were dealing with i don't even know how they did it i think it was impressive i i agree with you um it was amazing how many people went home and within a very short period of time were productive. Yeah. I mean, it's, so obviously they were planning ahead and had some spare, you know, sizing in their infrastructure, but they, they had to size up. I mean, there's just no way that they had that kind of, you don't have 400% spare capacity. There's no way. No, no. So they were scrambling to, to, to meet the needs, and they did it. Yeah. You're right. Absolutely. Are there any opportunities for saving money now that we have to spend all this money? Yeah, well, so before we leave the cost section, let me let me point out another sure. thing that I think is really a hidden cost, and that is uh, the there are taxes and fees and surcharges on phone bills. <laughs> and Lots of them. Be, yeah, and they can be, I mean, 20 to 30 percent of your bill. So um, I have seen proposals where maybe a cost came in at ten dollars uh, a month per user for you know a certain license, but by the time you add on uh, the charges for a phone number, a DID, DID number, nine one one fees, and other things, all of a sudden that cost goes from ten to maybe thirteen or fourteen dollars a month. That's something that people need to be aware of. Right. So um, and and it's. There used to be kind of a racket on the, in the long-distance arena where everybody was quoting cost per minute, and so it got really competitive, and, you know, a carrier would come in and say, okay, I, I'll give you long-distance for three cents a minute, and somebody else would come in and say, I'll give it to you for two-and-a-half cents a minute, and it just kept, you know, racing <laughs> down, you know, the, the, the long-distance cost. But what happened is that the carriers, the overall cost, it, it did come down. I'm not saying it didn't. But there were a lot of fees and surcharges, and, and uh, carriers started charging things like property tax charges and uh, things that were essentially a cost of doing business for them, and they would add it to the phone bill. I mean, and so the, yeah. Yeah, so your cost per minute would, would be, you know, maybe two cents a minute. But your phone bill, by the time you added in all these other stupid surcharges and fees and hidden charges, essentially, um, you would be paying more like four cents a minute and so that same thing happens today with these other services i mean just the fees the surcharges and the taxes are 20 to 30 percent of your bill so definitely a hidden cost item there wow i bet that's a shock to a lot of people when they finally get their bill unless they were aware of it which i certainly hope 
<clears throat> excuse me, if they've been listening to this show, that they are aware that um, taxes, fees, and surcharges can make up a huge amount of yeah, really the only cost. way to find out what that is, I don't know, I mean, you may have figured it out and know a better way to do it than this, but I always ask the carrier, like once you've kind of narrowed down your choice, I'll ask them for a real bill. I mean, they can get rid of all the identifying information. You know, I don't care right. the company's name or address or any of that, but I want to see a bill. And I want to see, like, you know, the licenses and how much those are built and then what the bottom line actually is and what's added on to that cost. Yeah, something that's real. Yeah, because the sales reps, it's not like they're trying to, I, don't, I really don't think that they are deliberately um, being deceptive. I just think that they don't ever really see the bill. They, they deal with that cost per license number, but they don't actually see what the end users actually charged. You're right. And so you, yeah, that's, I don't think they ever really look at the end user bill. No, I don't think they do. Okay, well, let's take a break. Um, Our sponsors are getting anxious, so we'll take a break and we'll be back with Melissa after a short interruption. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to P. Pittman at Stonegate-Consulting.com. That's P-P-I-T-T-M-O-N at Stonegate-Consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Welcome back. This is Pat Pittman, and I'm here with Melissa Schwartz. And we were just discussing the uh, savings that can be happen when you go to a cloud solution. And we had just started on that. So why don't we pick it up from there, Melissa? We can talk a little bit more about what kind of savings we can expect. Yeah, I think everybody wants to save money, right? Yeah. I mean. uh, Yeah. So if you're moving to a cloud solution, one of the things that you can save money on is the maintenance contract on your old phone system. (laughs) You don't need that anymore. Um, You may be able, depending, again, on your situation, to disconnect or eliminate some other services. For example, I had a client that had uh, people that were using 
probably three different conference platforms with the different parts of the businesses were using different ones. When they went with their new telephony solution, that included a conferencing and collaboration tool. So they could eliminate those other tools and only pay for the one and not pay for three or four different ones. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's a savings. Other times it may just be that you can finally give people the capacity that they needed. And in this case, a lot of people were sharing licenses and they had a lot of pent-up demand for uh, the ability to use those collaboration tools. Ah. And then... Yeah, so not always savings, but maybe better, more efficient operations. Um, if de- again, depending on the configuration of your cloud tool um, and whether the cloud provider is actually providing your your dial tone connection, um, you might be able to centralize and go to SIP trunking and save some money there if you haven't already done that. SIP trunking can save a ton of money uh, in certain situations. Okay, it's multi-location. Okay, why don't you explain SIP trunking to some of our listeners who probably aren't as familiar. what I'm talking about. (laughs) Right. I didn't want to say it that way. So um, SIP trunking is basically a form of uh, connecting to the outside world and connecting to other... So anytime you make a phone call that's not internal to your organization, it goes out over the... They call it the public switch telephone network. So it's got an acronym, PSTN. So you're connecting, basically, um, your call to the other end. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have SIP trunking today, then you have a, an older technology in place. And the carriers, um, that technology is much more expensive for them to operate. So if you go to SIP trunking, then basically it's a data network-centric type of calling plan mm-hmm. and so it's cheaper for the carriers and they pass those savings on to you best way i can explain it without yeah i understand my, you know specific uh situation um and saying okay here's your before and here's your after but uh sip trunking can save you money but um, you also don't you also pay again sort of a per license arrangement for using sip trunking yeah so you pay um to have a certain number of talk paths available. Mm-hmm. But if you have, let's say you have 10 different locations and each one of those locations has um, phone system, has you know, outside access to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Once you start using your data network for your phone equipment, you could actually take all of those 10 sites, bring all of the calls into one site, and then route them back out to the other locations over your data network that you're already paying for and not have to pay for independent dial tone at each one of those 10 sites. So that's where the savings comes in. Okay. So saving comes in sort of by uh, process of scale. Yeah, and by using your data network to to, uh, transport some of the stuff that otherwise would have taken a separate voice network. But wouldn't you have to increase your data network? To accept that? You might. Um, There are times where I have seen that happen. Um, Voice actually does not take a lot of bandwidth. Video takes a lot of bandwidth, but voice does not. (laughs) So. (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're just right at the edge of really overrunning your your capacity, most people are able to add the voice and Mm -hmm. not necessarily impact their network. What? sort of bandwidth does a video call take? Um, part of it depends on the quality of the video. Obviously, the higher the quality, the mm-hmm. more bandwidth. Sure. But um, a voice call can take, uh, I, I want to say, 8K per second, kind of, or, well, that's probably not right. More like 100K. Mm-hmm. And video is 10 times that to start with, and then it goes up. So. Wow. That is a big yeah. bandwidth hog. Yeah, it really is. You get a lot more of the video. It's kind of like if a, if a picture's worth a thousand words, then what's a video worth? <laughs> yeah, true. Especially in today's times where you're not meeting people face-to-face. And, right. right. Um, you know, a lot of people like to, you know, if they're going to buy something from me and it's going to cost them $100,000, I imagine they want to at least talk to me face-to-face. Yeah, look you in the eye and figure out, you know, are you somebody I can trust? Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. 
you know, are you really, you know, is this really a real company or not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hard to yeah. tell when you, you know, just never meet anybody. Well, and, and video is such a rich medium compared to just, just the audio. I mean, you can see facial expressions. You, you know, so you see that look of, I, you know, I'm puzzled, but I don't want to interrupt. I mean, all of those things, those body language signals that you just don't get over audio. Yeah, just the nuance of a face-to-face makes a big difference. It's huge, absolutely huge. Yeah. So what do you suggest when you start moving to the cloud? Do you stay with the cloud? Do you go with the premise fit? Or do you go hybrid, half and half, some cloud, some premise? Well, I do think that the pandemic really accelerated the move to the cloud for a lot of organizations. Uh, I'm not going to say that the cloud is, you know, the only choice or that it's right for everybody. And I really just think it depends on your individual situation. But I, I, so I really can't answer the question for anybody, but I can give you some pros and cons and things to think about. So okay. So you can apply those to your situation. So one of the reasons that people like the cloud and, and go to the cloud is that the cloud provider basically handles things like managing the servers and keeping them patched and updated and uh, architecting so that reliability is built in and they can maintain their uptime requirements. And the cloud provider has to worry about how to meet those bandwidth requirements. You know, you're not having to worry about it yourself. And the cloud has to uh, meet security and compliance requirements. So that's a lot. That's, that's a lot that you don't have to do anymore. That's for um, sure. Um, and then I think one of the things that frustrates people the most in dealing with, um, if, if they've got any complexity to their phone system environment at all, is if they have multiple components, so they may have a phone system, and they may have, back to the contact center uh, example, you know, if you've got a call recording system or uh different add-ons, then you have to keep them all in sync. So you want to upgrade your phone system, but maybe your call recording isn't compliant with the new um, new version of the phone system yet. So how do you keep all of those things upgraded and in sync and you find a window where you can put everything together again? You know, mm-hmm. got it working now. When are they all going to work together again? Before you, so... That can be uh, just a layer of complexity and frustration that um, people get really tired of dealing with. I can imagine. And, yeah, and then, and then the, you know, if you go if you go with a platform sort of play, and you, and you have we talked about all the components like you know the the chat and and the you know collaboration audio and video conferencing and the voice and all of that. A platform provider will make sure that all of those things are integrated together, so you don't have to figure out you know how to. Put, put slot A into tab B, you know? I mean, you just don't have to deal with that. Okay, so that's a good reason to go to the cloud is that when, you put it, when you're putting things together, you know whatever the vendor has is going to work right with what right. you buy. Right, because you're, you're actually buying that whole integrated solution. And we obviously have seen that, you know, the cloud had provided flexibility for people to be able to just work from home tomorrow. I mean, yeah, there were problems with people moving home, and, and no doubt, but there was a lot of flexibility there. So, well, uh, I understand that um, you've created a back-to-work assessment guide. Tell us yeah, a little bit I about did. that. So it kind of walks you through the process of figuring out, did your cloud... Um, so if you bought one of those cloud license things, mm-hmm. is it going to really meet your needs going forward? And so it's just a worksheet that you can use however it works for you. You don't have to fill out every single thing, but it walks you through the process of figuring out, do you, you know, are you good where you are or do you need to get something else? So um, do I need to get that or is that link going to be part of that show notes, Pat? It's be part of the show notes, but you can talk about it now and give our listeners um, a method by which they can get this? So you can go to my website, which yeah. is swartzconsulting.com, and the trick is that Swartz is spelled S-W-A-R-T-Z. So swartzconsulting.com, 
and uh, then backslash back to work back dash to dash work dash assessment. So it, it's a worksheet that will walk you through the process, kind of get your thoughts down, figure out what you need to document, and then what do you need to look at and figure out, do I need something else or am I good where I am? Oh, that would sound like it would be very helpful. I, I think it's just good to have something to, to work through. And, you know, even if there's questions that don't really apply to you, I think the process itself will start some thoughts and get people sort of thinking about yeah. where they need to be or not. Yeah, I think that's a good point is that sometimes people might not all know all the questions to ask themselves in it if things are working and what kind of analytics and those types of things that you're talking about. And, you know, unless they've done this before, they really don't know how to do it. And this would be a a good guide to sort of help them along and guide them to at least a logical solution or at least. Yeah. And and I hope, you know, I think just not having to think about the process itself, you know, like just working your way through it without having to create the process is, is the benefit that it gives you. Absolutely. So if people wanted to talk to you directly, how do they get a hold of you um, if they're interested in an independent uh, consultant point of view? So uh, there's multiple ways. My email address is mswartz, so again, that's Swartz spelling, M. S-W-A-R-T-Z at SwartzConsulting.com. Uh, you can go to my website. It's got a contact us, so SwartzConsulting.com, and there's a uh, contact us section. Or my phone number is 913-721-8030. Perfect. That's wonderful. So anybody who needs to talk to someone in the know and an expert on this stuff would be wise to call Melissa and talk to her and get the direction that you need. Okay, well, it looks like we're coming pretty close to the end of the program. Again, I want to thank you, Melissa, for being with us. Um, I hope our listeners enjoyed and learned a little bit about uh, how to go about handling the new world that we're in today and how to positively work better. So thank you, Melissa. Everybody, we're going to... Thanks for having me, Pat. Oh, you're welcome. We'll be back next week with another Telcom Talk. Thanks for today. Have a good day. Thank you for making Telcom Talk a part of your week. Be sure to join host Pat Pittman for another episode next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll connect again next week.